Hope has been defined as the confident expectation of good. In a world that's falling apart more rapidly every day, we have a hope that endures all of that through the Lord Jesus Christ. What a wonderful song. And, And for those wondering, I've already put in the request for them to sing that again this evening. This year, our theme, if you will, for the Christmas season is God of Miracles. God of Miracles. And Christmas is just filled with that as you read the Bible. Uh, I encourage you on Sunday evening during this Christmas season to keep f- so that we keep focused on, on what it's all about, to read what we refer to as the Christmas story in the Bible, reading Matthew chapters 1 and 2 and Luke chapters 1 and 2, where all of those amazing events are found, and every chapter is just filled with the miraculous with with God doing wonderful things in the lives of people and sending us a savior our text this morning revolves around one of those miraculous moments it is not directly about the birth of Christ and we will we will move there but it uh, it uh, is part of the the events involved in that it is the birth of John the Baptist he was actually the cousin of the Lord Jesus he was six months older John's mother Elizabeth and Jesus' mother Mary were cousins, and their stories are going to intertwine uh, throughout the Gospel of Luke, uh, but God included this amazing, thing, this amazing event in our Bibles for us, and it is, uh, it is uh, some months before Mary will receive the message from the angel Gabriel that this uh, man named Zacharias we read about. Uh, We know that his wife's name is Elizabeth, and we know that they are both an elderly couple. The Bible says they were well stricken in age. I did a little research about life expectancy uh, in that time period in the world, and uh, the average life expectancy was about 66 years of age, meaning that I would be a geezer. In those days, I just got my Medicare card a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I would be considered uh, a really old age. Uh, medicine was, was uh, not nearly as, as advanced as it is today, and sometimes medicine was actually dangerous in those days. Uh, people didn't eat as well and as often as we do today. Life was definitely harder under the empire of Rome. And, and so uh, if a person lived to my age, uh, that was considered pretty much a phenomenal thing, but generally not in the striking good health and, and handsomeness that I possess today. Somebody my age would be pretty uh, well stricken with just the diseases of life and old age, more advanced than we deal with today. And so you have this, this couple, Zacharias and Elizabeth, and, and there they are. They are stricken in age. Zacharias was a priest in the temple in Jerusalem. He was of the tribe of Levi. The Bible says a, a direct descendant of Aaron, the very first high priest, brother of Moses. And uh, the way they had it set up is, is uh, the, the, the descendants of Levi, these priests, would, would serve on a rotating uh, schedule in the temple, and each one would have specific jobs to do. And uh, Zachariah's job was to go into the temple every day about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. They referred to that as the hour of prayer. 
Well, he went into the temple into a room called the holy place. All of the devout people would be standing out in the courtyard and they'd be lifting up their prayers. And in the holy place where Zacharias went, directly in front of the door was this, this golden altar about the size of that little table over there, but overlaid in gold. And uh, it had coals on there. Right beside it was a little uh, container that had a specially uh, composed incense. And he would take a handful of that incense and sprinkle it over those hot coals. And that beautiful uh, aroma and smoke would rise up. We know from uh, the Bible that that was a picture of the prayers of the saints ascending up into heaven into the presence of God. So the people are outside praying. Zacharias uh, is, is going inside and probably moving a bit slow. Again, uh, an elderly man, he might have been much older than 66 or 67, uh, well stricken in age, but still serving the Lord to the best of his ability. And while he's in there, he's the only one in that room. It's very quiet. Once the, the, everything closed behind him, the only light was from this beautiful candlestick made of gold over in this side today, we would call it a menorah. And uh, uh, so that, that candlelight is flickering off the golden table and the golden altar and so forth. It is, it is very quiet. It is very calm. And Zacharias is doing what he did every day at this time. He's offering that incense. But this day was going to be a life changer for him. Can I just insert this? You never know when God's going to do something amazing in your life. So just be faithful. Just be faithful. As Zacharias is in there, verse number 11, the Bible says, There appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Uh, you can imagine uh, the fright that it gave him because that had never happened before. He was always alone in there and all of a sudden standing right beside the altar uh, that he is, he's offering incense on, there's, there's an angel of the Lord. We don't know what he looked like. We suppose he was uh, a beautiful to look upon. His name was Gabriel. He introduces himself by that in verse 19. And, uh, you know... Uh, you know, if, if uh, Zacharias is in old age, that would have been enough to take the old ticker and send him on to heaven right here and now. And uh, verse 12, and when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. I'd have been jumping out of my skin. I'd have been running out the door. I'd have, it was just not anything that he expected. And of course, the angel uh, calmed him down and said unto him, fear not, Zacharias. Whoever this was knew he was, knew his name. For thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son. Now, this is uh, the beginning of Zachariah's story. We'll, we'll walk through that just a little bit this morning. But not only were Zacharias and Elizabeth very faithful people, not only were they elderly people, well stricken in age, they had gone childless their entire marriage. Um, I have dealt in my ministry of the last 40 years or so with a lot of precious ladies whom God has just not allowed them to have a child. And there's a grief that goes along with that for most of them. Uh, and, and they pray and, and sometimes seek all types of medical help and the frustration builds. Uh, it's a hard thing for a lady to deal with. Elizabeth had dealt with that her entire life. Now she's a, an older lady. And childbearing years are beyond her. Nature has taken over. And all hope that 
that she was ever going to have a child was taken away. But you must understand in that ancient culture, it was more than just the frustration of a precious lady who wanted a child. It was considered by their culture a sign that she was in some kind of disfavor with God. What a sad thing to impose upon someone who cannot bear a child and it's physically impossible and now to tell her where well, you're being judged by God and or God doesn't love you or you've done something wrong and God's mad at you. And that cloud always hung over someone like that. So Elizabeth, a good lady, a godly, a godly lady, can you imagine the sleepless nights and the tears and the begging of God, please let me have a child, please let me have the child. And it seemed like the heavens were brass and her prayers went no higher than the ceiling and the years go by and she knows that people are looking at her with a certain type of scorn and ridicule. And by the way, folks, we ought never do that with other people. You don't know what people are going through and, and, and just don't make yourself the judge and just realize that that if they're hurting, they don't need judgment, they need help and they need healing, amen? And so Zacharias and Elizabeth had lived their married life, godly people serving God without a child. And all of a sudden that day in the temple, in the holy place, here's an angel saying your prayers heard and, and your wife Elizabeth is gonna bear a child. And the story's about to unfold in, in some amazing ways, but can I just draw your attention to some very important truth that we learn from this particular event in scripture. And the first thing I'd like to help you understand is uh, the matter of uh, the fact that God doesn't forget our prayers. I, I just put this point in my outline as the unforgotten prayers. Again, if your Bibles are open in verse 13, the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. Now we know from the rest of this text, Zacharias had given up hope that he should have a child. He sort of argued with the angel in verse 18. Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife well stricken in years. He is looking at it through human eyes and said, how in the world is this gonna happen? I'm a, I'm a geezer, I'm over the hill, I'm an old guy, I got one foot in the grave and the other one on a banana peel, and my wife's well stricken in age. It ceased with her after the manner of, uh, of women and so forth, and it was pure unbelief on his part, which tells me the prayers Gabriel is referring to weren't his prayers of that day. I think he and his wife had just stopped praying. They came to realize, well, I guess it's just not God's plan for us to have a child. And they stopped praying. So please understand when the angel said, thy prayer is heard, he's going back in time. He's going back in time when they were newlyweds and they were praying for a baby. And when Elizabeth was going to everybody else's baby shower over the years and she'd go home crying, oh God, please give me a child of my own. And how many times before a meal or before they went to bed at night or in the morning, they'd hold hands and they'd pray and in their prayer, oh God, please give us a child. Oh, we promise to raise him or her to love you and God, just please give us a child. You understand these are prayers of the past that in their minds, God never heard and God didn't answer. And now the angel is telling them, oh, that's not so. Thy prayer is heard. Isn't it a wonderful thing to know that God hears us 
when we pray. This is the confidence that we have in him, John wrote, that if we ask anything according to his will, we know that he heareth us. Isn't that a great thing to know? When I pray, it's not just going to the roof, it's going all the way to the presence of God in heaven. And I love the fact that no matter how many people are praying at the same time, God hears mine. You say, why? Because he likes me best. <laughs> no, because he's God and he's able to do that. This is a silly illustration, and I understand that. And some of you, many of you have seen it before. But Brother Rob, you know, you know what's coming. <laughs> Okay, Brother Rob is going to be a picture of God. And I know we thought God would look so much better than that. Uh, but at least he's tall. He's big like God. Uh, he's going to represent God. And I want everybody in the room to help me. I need you just to wake up and, and, and be a part of all of this. Um, I want every one of you on the count of three to ask him for something. Ask him for a new car, ask him for a computer, ask a, a new phone, whatever it is. I want everybody in this room at the exact same moment, good and strong, to ask him for something. Okay? Everybody know what to do? Got it, Rob? He's got his pen out. He's going to have to write it on his hand. He forgot paper. Here we go. One, two, three. Okay. How many asked something? Okay. Rob, tell me what Rick Graff asked for. He raised his hand. He just asked you for something. Another well-stricken in years couple asking God for a child. And Fran is just like, what are you talking about? Did you get anybody? So in other words, our prayers were useless because there were too many and he couldn't hear. God's not like that. God has the ability to hear my prayers no matter how many thousands or even millions of people are talking to him at the same time. Thank you, Brother Rob. Certainly not trying to uh, uh, humiliate him or anything, uh, but thank you for helping us with that. Zacharias, your prayer was heard. I know you prayed it a long time ago and you thought God didn't hear. You thought God didn't care. You thought God didn't answer. You thought God left you down, but I'm here to tell you, your prayer is heard. In the book of Daniel, the prophet Daniel heard something from the Lord and he didn't understand it. And so he began fasting and praying for God to show him what it meant. And he prayed not one day or two, and he fasted during that entire time. During that entire time, he didn't take a bath, didn't put on clean clothes. He just, he just shut himself away. Just whatever he saw uh, to him was such a burden on his heart and the fact that he couldn't understand it, he didn't know what to do with it, bothered him immensely and he prayed not for a day or two, not for a week or two, but for three entire weeks he prayed. Three weeks, fasting, not eating, uh, for, for 21 days, barely sleeping, not going out, not doing anything else, just praying. Uh, you're not, we're not talking about he just got up and he prayed a little bit in the morning and went about his duties. We're talking about a man who spent his entire waking hours pouring out his heart before God. Lord, you're not talking to me. Is there a reason you're not answering me three entire weeks? And finally, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, from the very first day that you asked, God heard you. God heard you. We need to understand that there are times when we pray that for reasons known only to God, he doesn't answer 
right away. Now, I don't know about you, when I pray, I really need the answer yesterday if possible. It's like my Amazon order. I always look on there to see when it's gonna be delivered. And I like the same day delivery. I don't have a lot of patience uh, and, and so forth. And sometimes when I go to the Lord, especially if it's a burden, uh, especially if it's a problem, I, I, I want an answer. And sometimes God answers right away, doesn't he? Elijah stood on Mount Carmel in 1 Kings chapter 19. Uh, and the Bible says that he prayed a, a prayer of 63 words. That prayer was prayed in about a minute's worth of time, 63 words, and instantaneously fire fell from heaven, consumed the, the, the sacrifice, the altar that it was placed on, and all the people had a revival and said, the Lord, he is the God, the Lord, he is the God. I mean, the answer came that quick. But for Zacharias and Elizabeth, up until this point, decades have gone by and God has not answered. What do we do when we pray and the answer doesn't come? Sometimes we just stop praying, don't we? Sometimes we get frustrated with God. I've wanted answers for the chest pain and whatever's going on with my heart for a year now. It started last December. The doctors have no answer. I've had every test known to man and all of that. So many folks have prayed about it. I have prayed about it, and, and still it continues, and it goes on. I have a choice now. Am I going to quit praying? Am I going to get mad at God? Am I going to walk away from the Lord? Well, Zacharias and Elizabeth didn't do that. Uh, their testimony in verse 6, they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. They just kept serving God anyhow, because they just trusted God and his wisdom. But again, they were, to them, forgotten prayers. Now look, we know that according to the scriptures, there are sometimes we pray and God will not hear us. There are some prayers that go unheard. Unprayed prayers go unheard. If you don't pray, don't expect an answer. The Bible said in James chapter 4, you have not because you ask not. Boy, sometimes our prayer lives, if we really examine them, are pretty anemic, aren't they? You know, it's kind of like rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, and we're done. And we don't spend those days and those nights in, 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 in prayer and so forth. The unheard prayer, not going to be answered. The unscriptural prayer, isn't going to be answered. James went on to say, ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss. You're asking for the wrong things, for the wrong reason, that ye may consume it upon your lust. So if I'm praying something that is contrary to the scriptures, God is under absolutely no obligation to answer that prayer. We know that the unholy prayer is not answered. David said in Psalm 66, 18, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Say, so what does that mean? I go to the Lord with my need, with my burden, with my problem, with my request, and I want to ask it to the Lord. But in my heart, I'm harboring an affection for something that I know is sinful. There's something in my life that I know from the Bible is sin. It is wrong. But for whatever reason, I don't want to quit doing it. I don't want to give it up. Preacher can preach on it, but I'm digging my heels in and I'm not going to change no matter what anybody says. And I come to the Lord with a legitimate request, with a, with a big need. The Bible says God won't even hear me. 
is like, la, 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 I can't hear you. And God just won't hear the prayers from an unholy heart. That's why part of prayer is me making sure I'm right with God. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those that are indebted to us. That's about making sure our heart's right with God. But Zacharias and Elizabeth, they were praying. And they weren't unscriptural prayers. And they weren't an unholy people. They were good, godly people. And God just didn't answer their prayers, in their case, yet. You know, just because God didn't answer your prayer doesn't mean he's, he's uh, forgotten it and he's not going to answer it. We had a dear lady attended our church for many years, Teresa Condon. Uh, an, an older lady at the time that she came, uh, always sat back over here in this corner. Uh, Teresa loved the Lord, been saved for decades and decades, but her husband had never trusted Christ as Savior. He was a good husband, he was a good father, but he just wasn't saved. She had tried everything she humanly knew to share Christ with him. She had talked to him many times. Uh, the preachers, any church she'd been in, if they had guest speakers, she would invite them, please come over and speak to my husband. And, and he would listen, but always shake his head no. And as they got up in years, she became more and more burdened, of course, about her husband. She longed for him to know Christ as Savior, but he just was, it seemed, stubborn and holding out. Jim got cancer, and uh, the, the uh, doctor's uh, prognosis was that it was terminal, that, uh, that uh, they had actually stopped treatment because they said he's not going to get over this. And Teresa asked me, would you come just one more time? Would you talk to my husband? So I remember the Saturday I went over, Jim was a Korean War vet, and we would sit down, and he just loved to reminisce and talk about that. And, of course, I'm, I'm just going to let him and, and so forth, and just so much, so much history sitting in, in this older man before me. And I realized uh, time was, was going on, and he was getting a bit tired. So finally I said, hey, Jim, I, I, I've talked to your wife, and, and, of course, we've been praying for you at, at, at our church, and I know you're, you've been very sick, and you and I both know what the doctors have said, and he, he kind of shook his head quietly. And I said, Jim, we're all going to step out into eternity someday, some sooner maybe than most. And Jim, I just, I, I just got to ask you, are you ready for that? Are you ready to step out into eternity? His wife has been praying for him for 40 years. Some of us can't even pray 40 minutes. This lady had been pouring out of her heart to God, asking anybody she knew to pray for 40 years. And I asked him that question. He looked over at me, goes, yes, I'm ready. I said, really? And his wife, her head perked up. And she said, what? I said, well, that's great, Jim, but how do you know for sure that you're going to be going to heaven when the time comes? He said, for 40 years, my wife is putting these little books and pamphlets on the little stand beside my recliner. And she thinks I have ignored them. I've read them all. I've read them all. And she's looking at him. She doesn't know whether to be mad or happy and he said a while back in one of those that it talked about being saved and it had a little prayer at the end of it and he said I prayed that prayer and I asked Jesus Christ to be my savior and Teresa sitting across the, the room in a couch and she said and you didn't tell me why didn't you tell me and I thought we're gonna have a fight I'm gonna have to do marital counseling before I get out of here and and uh, the next thing you know she is she's across the room and she's on her knees beside uh, his recliner and she's holding his hand and she said Jim why didn't you tell me he said I, he said I, I don't know 
I, I don't know. I know that I, I, I should have. And we talked a little bit more and, and uh, she's crying and, and uh, all that. She told me that from that day forward, when friends or family would come by and in some ways they knew they were saying goodbye to him, he'd say, you don't have to worry about me. When the time comes, I'm going to, he- going to go to heaven because I receive Christ as my savior. 40 years. Don't you give up. Call unto me, God said, and I will answer thee. It may not be today and it may not be tomorrow, but God hears and answers prayer. And we look at this amazing story of this elderly man. Here he's standing there, and in his mind, it it is beyond possibility. He even argues with that. The angel of the Lord made him mute for his unbelief at that moment. He couldn't talk. He couldn't walk out and say, there was an angel in there and he looked like this and his name was Gabriel and he told me this and, and gave me these promises and I, I gotta leave because I'm gonna go home and, 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 and meet my wife because we're gonna have a kid. He couldn't do that. God made him mute. All he could do is, you know, like a French mime on the street type thing. That's about all that he could do. But his heart was overflowing. He just, he just received this amazing message. Now, listen carefully. Say, why did... Why did God wait? Because God does everything perfectly on time. The birth of Christ, the Bible says, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. And, and, and the son that they were going to bear would be John the Baptist, who was going to prepare all of Israel for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. It, and the time was right. Now, if God had answered their prayers, say when she was 30, would that have been an awesome thing? Yes or no? Yeah. Yeah. That would have been an amazing thing. Uh, I, I love it when young couples come to me and say, hey, pastor, we just want to share something with you. Uh, we're going to have a baby. Uh, Scott and Desi are sitting in the back, and I still remember the day uh, when they let me know that they were going to have a baby, and we get all excited and rejoice about that. And of course, Asher is here with us, and, and uh, God answered some prayers for them, gave them a child. That's a wonderful thing, and so forth. Um, Is it a wonderful thing in their 60s or 70s for them to have a baby? (laughs) Part of me is thinking, you know, I love being a grandfather. One of the reasons I love being a grandfather is when they wear me out, I can hand them back. (laughs) But if at my age, suddenly I was to become a dad, it's like, oh my goodness, I don't think I'm up for this. Uh, that type of thing. Uh, do you understand it was not just a wonderful thing? It was a miraculous thing. By waiting, God was giving them more than they could have ever imagined. That's the God we serve who is able to do exceeding abundantly about all that we ask or think. Amen. Every time I read this text, I rejoice in the fact that this couple learned that their prayers weren't wasted their prayers did not go unheard because God doesn't forget the unforgotten prayers. I need to hasten on. In this same event, we learn about some unforgotten promises. If your Bibles are still open, in verse number 14, as the angels telling Zacharias the good news, thou shalt have joy and gladness and many shall rejoice at his birth. And undoubtedly that was true. We rejoice with the balls today in the birth of a grandchild. And I've told both of them, I dare you to stop smiling. That was what was going to happen, but it was going to be bigger than that. Verse 15, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord. 
and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, some things he had to abstain from, he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. God, God had a special plan and purpose for this little boy. Many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. Israel had been in a place for 400 years. God hadn't talked to them. They re referenced that in the song that they sang today. Uh, those 400 years were called the silent years. They were called the dark years. Their land had been overrun by the Babylonians, then the Persians, then the Greeks, then the Syrians, and now finally by the Romans. And life was hard and bleak and, and, and all of those things. And the people just gave up hope. They just got to the place of saying, God's not helping us. God doesn't care. And, and everything about their, their faith had grown cold and so forth. And, and the angel said, your son is going to change all that. And he's going to go out there and God's going to use him. And many of God's people, they're going to turn to the Lord. And one day he was going to be the one when Jesus walked to the Jordan River at, a, at the age of 30. Um, John the Baptist was going to point him in front of the crowd and said, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. He'd be the one to introduce Jesus to the multitudes of people. Uh, God had a plan for their boy. And, and uh, he goes on to say, And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now I said un uh, unforgotten prayers, what a remarkable thing to know that God doesn't forget, but unforgotten promises. The angel Gabriel is quoting the last words of the Old Testament that Malachi the prophet wrote down 400 years years earlier. Malachi promised that this was going to happen. And 400 years went by and the angel said, God didn't forget. He didn't forget your prayers, but he also didn't forget what he promised. We have a God, the Bible says, it is impossible for our God to lie. The Bible speaks of Abraham in Romans chapter 4 and verse 21. God gave he and his wife a promise of a child, and they waited decades till Abraham was 100 and she was 90 uh, to have the child. But Abraham, the Bible says, being fully persuaded that what he, God, had promised, he was able also to perform. Paul wrote to Titus and said, In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Hebrews tell us, tells us, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. We can't always trust people, can we? You can't always trust the weatherman. He's calling for snow today. I'm hoping that we can't trust him. I'm just, let it come tonight after church. I'm all good with that. Uh, we can't always trust the headlines. We found that out in the last few years, haven't we? Fake news is a reality. You can't always read, uh, believe what you uh, uh, read on Facebook or anything like that, but you can always trust God. It is impossible for God to lie. He's not even tempted to lie. So if God spoke it and it's placed in the word of God, you can stake everything you have on it. God promised that whosoever shall call upon the Lord, that being the Lord Jesus Christ, shall be saved. That by, the reasons the whole, that, that, by the way, is the whole reason Jesus came. Uh, that night in the, the fields around Bethlehem, the angel of the Lord appeared unto the, the shepherds there and said, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, 
who is Christ the Lord. Why did we need a Savior? Because we're lost. We're all caught up in sin. Every, every one of us has done wrong. We've offended God. There's a wall between us and God that, that our, our church can't get rid of and our good works can't get rid of and our good intentions can't get rid of. So God said, I need to save them from their sin so that they don't die and leave and spend eternity separated from me. So he sent us his Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus was born in Bethlehem and he lived a sinless life that not a one of us have been able to do on our very best of days. At the age of 33, they nailed him to a cross and he shed his blood and he died. John called him the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. He was paying for my sin so that I wouldn't have to. He was paying for your sin so that you wouldn't have to. And the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the Lord, believing he died for my sin and paid for it all. He was buried and he was raised again. That resurrection proved that he'd not only conquered sin, he had conquered death and the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's a promise of God. Would you understand God can't lie? And when I was 14 years of age, 50 years ago, I heard the truth of the gospel. I believed it with all my heart. I called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I don't have to worry about where I'm going to spend eternity. I, I, I have no doubts. Uh, Brother Reemers, we talked about this morning, Harry Reemers. Um, uh, even as, as the dementia was setting in, you couldn't shake his confidence in the fact that he was going to go to heaven. And eventually all of his memories, all of his reasoning disappeared. But that didn't change the reality that as a boy, that man trusted Christ as his savior and it was settled for all eternity. You can trust the promise of God. And child of God, as you walk through life, you're never gonna walk alone because he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You may not be able to feel his presence, but it's there because he promised it would be there. You have the promise that whoso, uh, uh, not only whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, but ask and ye shall receive. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be given unto you. Isn't that a promise of God? We can just go on and on and on. God is always going to keep his word. And Zacharias is learning. God made a promise 400 years ago, and now he's keeping it in my lifetime. Let me hasten on because time always gets away from me. Turn in Luke chapter 1, if you would please, to um, oh, verse number 64. We learned about unforgotten prayers. Yeah, God heard and God answered, not in their time frame, but in, a, in an amazing way. We talked about unforgotten promises. God does not lie. He'll always keep his word. The last thing I want you to notice from the story of Zacharias and Elizabeth is unforgotten praise. On the day that John was dedicated, that was the day oftentimes that they gave the baby his name. Now, God, uh, the, uh, Gabriel told him, he said, you're going to call him John. That's his name, Okay. When he was born, the people around him, because Zacharias can't speak, it was usually the dad's job to give the name to a son uh, in those days. Uh, Zacharias couldn't speak, and so they just thought, well, we'll just, on his birth certificate, we'll write Zacharias, and, you know, Zacharias Jr., uh, named after his dad type thing. And John 
going, or Zacharias is going like this, and Mary said, no, or, or Elizabeth said, no, 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 his name is John, and they're saying, there's nobody in your family named John, what are you talking about? And Zacharias motioned, and they brought some kind of a slate over, and, and he scribbled on there and said, his name is John. And all the people were like, whoa. And just at that exact moment, God opened his mouth, and after nine, ten months of the guy not being able to talk, can you imagine Maybe the solitude Elizabeth had. There was no honey, get me this, honey, get me that type thing. Uh, now we can talk. And the Bible says in verse 64, and his mouth was opened immediately and his tongue loosed and he spake and praised God. I wonder how often it is that God works in our lives, God answers a prayer and we never say thank you. We just turn around and, oh, look what I got. Look what God did. Instead of saying, thank you, God. I, church family knows I got a new leg two weeks ago. Haven't named him yet. It's not time for his dedication, so we'll have to figure out what that's going to be. Uh, haven't named him yet, but the hardware I wear on my entire left side, uh, the price tag is somewhere in the $75,000 range. My insurance is supposed to pay half of that, which left me with a pretty hefty thing, but my insurance paid all of it. And it's, it's kind of cool. It's kind of state-of-the-art. I can, I can program all kinds of things in here. I do not let him anywhere near my phone to play with my app so that I don't fall flat on my face so he can have something to laugh about. Can I tell you how I got a free prosthesis that cost that much? Because I got a good God. Uh, I was at the gym yesterday, and a young man I know come up and said, is that the new leg? I said, yes, it is. And I got to say, and I didn't have to pay anything. God provided that. When, when my, my, my trainer saw it, and, and Sam was more excited, I think, than I was, I got to tell him, this is what God did. This is what God provided for me. I don't want to mis make the mistake of God doing something great, and I just keep it to myself. I want everybody to know I serve a good God. I serve a God that loves me. I serve a God that can do anything. Lift up our voices in praise. Zacharias would have been such a foolish man if after God did this miracle for he and his precious wife, if he would have just rejoiced in the baby and ignored the God who made it possible. Time is gone, but in Luke 17, the Bible says as Jesus traveled, there was a group of 10 men that approached him and they had the disease of leprosy. Now, in Bible days, if a person had leprosy, they were an outcast by law. Uh, nobody was allowed to touch them. They couldn't touch you. They had to cover their face uh, so that it couldn't be seen. And if they were walking down a road and you were coming from the other direction by law, they were required to start crying out, unclean, I am unclean. Don't come near me, I am unclean. It was humiliating. It was heartbreaking. They could never be with their families again. Generally, they lived near city dumps so they could scavenge for food and clothes and things with which to build crude shelters. Their, their life was one of poverty. Their life was one without hope. They were disfigured. They were shunned. They were often hated. If they got too close to people, people would throw stones and clods of dirt and garbage at them to make them go away. And here were 10 men that had this disease and they saw Jesus and they were a long way off and they're crying out, uh, Lord, help us. Lord, help us. Please, you're the only one. Lord, help us. 
Today there's medication for that disease, but back then they didn't have it. A miracle was the only cure that there was, and they didn't come very often. But they knew Jesus had been healing people and making blind people see and walking on water and all of those things, and they cried out, Lord, help us, and every one of them got healed. Amen. I mean, they just looked at each other and said, Rob, you're not nearly as ugly as you were five seconds ago. You're still ugly, but you don't have leprosy. And they're just looking around. We're, 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 we're clean. It, 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 it's gone. It, it's gone. I can go home. I can hug my wife. I can hold my children. I can get my job. I can get my life back. I'm healed. I'm healed. And Jesus said, go to the temple. Show yourself to the priest like the scriptures tell you to do. Do everything you go. And they just took off down the road. They're rejoicing. And not a one of them looked at him and said, thank you. But one of those men turned around. He wasn't even Jewish. Amen. He was a Samaritan. He was an outcast not just because he was a leper. He was an outcast because he was a Samaritan. Jews and Samaritans had nothing to do with each other. That man turned around and fell at the feet of Christ and worshipped him and glorified God. Amen. Jesus asked a very sad question. Were there not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? There is none but this Samaritan that is returned to give glory to God. What a sad thing. I don't want that to be us. I don't want us to take the goodness of God for granted. Let us not be guilty of forgotten praise. Let us follow the footsteps of Zacharias who remembered to give praise. And the rest of the chapter is Zacharias lifting up his voice to God in praise. By the way, that leper that came back got more than healed of leprosy. Jesus said unto him, Arise, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. You didn't just get healed on the outside. I healed you on the inside. It's not just your leprosy that's gone. I've taken care of your sin. And that man walked away saying, Can I just say this? He got more from praise than he got from prayer. He got healed from leprosy from prayer, which is amazing. He got saved on top of that with praise. The other guys went away. They were healed of leprosy, but you realize they were all gonna die someday, eventually, but they didn't get saved. And when they died, it wasn't heaven for them, but it was for that Samaritan man. As we come to the end of this, this morning, the story of Zacharias and Elizabeth to me always thrills my heart when I read the Christmas story as I see just another miracle that God did. Beloved child of God, please remember God heard your prayers. He hears your prayers. Don't give up on him. Don't quit praying. Now, always you got to ask, am I praying in the will of God? Is there sin in my life? Is there a reason he's not hearing or answering? And you make sure you're right with God. But would you just remember this? God answers prayer. It might be 10 years or 20 years or 40 years, but God hears and answers prayer. Would you remember this child of God? God keeps his promises. He always has and he always will. But would you all remember this? God deserves our praise. I wonder if God hears us complain and criticize more than he hears us praise. I read something the other day that said critical people are going to be bored in heaven. Some of you didn't get it yet because there's nothing to criticize there. They're just going to walk around saying everything's perfect. Everything's absolutely perfect. Now what am I supposed to do? 
maybe you'll start praising God then. Let's not wait. Can we bow our heads for prayer? Thank you for listening this morning.